How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com or anywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got the team. Former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano, former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman R.J. Hollis. And fellas, it was a special night on senior night, Saturday at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex in Manoa, but the University of Hawaii football team closed out their 2022 home schedule with a 31-25 win over longtime rival UNLV, winning the Island Showdown game, meaning they get that golden pineapple and get to keep it here in the islands, put it into the trophy case as the winner of that rivalry game showdown. There is a lot to talk about from a very emotional game, I will say. I mean, the images that we saw from that football game, both before it started, while it was going on, and then after the game, is something I think anyone who is there in Manoa will never forget. And there's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss within what happened here with the Rainbow Warriors, who improved the 3-9 and nine overall, 2-5 and five in the Mountain West Conference. But before we hear... From Rich Miano and R.J. Hollis, let's hear from the Bows themselves. This is head coach Timmy Chang, running back Diedrich Parson, and fellow senior offensive lineman L. Manning following the Rainbow Warrior victory over UNLV. The adversity that they experienced through this season and how they responded, they will always remember. And, and that's what I love about these guys. That's what I love about this team. You know, the X's and O's and, and the plays, they come and go, but the relationships, the bonds, the feeling that you have with your brothers, that's that's what it's about. And then, and they play hard for this state, man. They do. And they love this state. A lot of them could have left, and they didn't. They chose to stay here. They chose to fight. And uh, and I'm appreciative, and I love them for that. Oh, man, I felt amazing to go out like that at home. Oh, I just felt amazing, like a dream come true. That's like a scene out of a movie, for real. In front of my mom, my sister, in front of all the fans. I mean, it's just amazing to end like that at home. Just put on the show for the fans and get the win for all the seniors. So I'm just appreciative for everybody that has instilled something in me here. And I appreciate everyone in Hawaii for, for bringing me here and opening arms for me. Man, we definitely set a, a good foundation for these young guys. And I feel like within next year, even a year after that, they're going to be really good, really good. Uh, Coach Timmy got something. He started something good off for him. And we delayed the foundation really strong for them. All right, again, that was head coach Timmy Chang, running back Diedrich Parson, and offensive lineman L. Manning. Parson, of course, had the back-breaking touchdown late in this game. He finished 19 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown. What a way to go out for one of the co-captains of this Rainbow Warrior football team. And obviously, talking offense, talking defense, talking special teams, talking team victory here moving forward. But before we do all that, Rich, your biggest takeaway from this very special night in Manoa, the signature win to this point for head coach Timmy Chang. Yeah, Rob, and it was fun. You know, and when Hawaii attacks both offensively and defensively, they're, they're fun to watch, you know, and then I thought every position group kind of stepped up. I thought UNLV was a more talented team coming into this game, but I thought Hawaii was better coached. I thought they wanted it more. And this, like you just mentioned, is the biggest win of the season for this group, right? And as happy as I am for those seniors, and especially the couple of guys you just mentioned, I'm just as happy, if not more, being a former coach for Timmy Chang and this whole entire coaching staff, all the way down to the graduate assistants. Yeah, RJ, uh, this was one of those victories that – you almost saw it coming from a mile away, as crazy as that sounds, as 11-point underdogs. But 
talking to this football team throughout the entire week leading up to the game. It was the seniors pounding the pavement saying, we want to win this game for the underclassmen. We want to set them off right. That's something I've been covering this team for two decades. I've never heard heading into a senior night, the seniors talking about the underclassmen. And then, of course, you heard the underclassmen saying, we want to win this for the seniors. Timmy Chang, a part of that, getting emotional, talking about this group, everything that they've been through, uh, which is typical of a senior night game. But I think what really stands out is that the way that the seniors talked about the underclassmen on their night, that almost set up this victory, didn't RJ? Yeah, no, 100%. And this is not just any senior class. This is a senior class that went through two seasons of well this is a senior class that for a lot of them they started in a winning portion of hawaii football which was rare let's let's start with that but then you get the pandemic where the state of hawaii has different rules than everybody else you have no fans you have coaching changes you have culture changes you go through all of that then you end that with a losing season just to get to your last game and say we're still not done fighting. I think that speaks volumes just to the tenacity of these dudes and, you know, speaks volumes to what they're leaving in that locker room, which I think is the biggest gift and the biggest, you know, takeaway from this game and this victory is that these guys don't want to just come and go and never be heard of from again. These guys want to leave a legacy. They want to have something be known from the inaugural season of the brotherhood. And I think, you know, the way they fought, the way they came out and just had that want to in them from the very opening defensive drive where they forced a field goal for UNLV, you could just see it up until the game was over and you seen the underclassmen doing a tribute ha-ha to the seniors. And, you know, even though I wasn't there, I could just feel the energy watching them. And, and man, it was amazing. It was amazing. That was the type of game I really wish I could have been there in person, but it was great enough to see. Now, Rich, RJ brought up a good point as far as what this senior class has been through. And he talks about that. Hey, th this is a group that entered within a winning time here for the University of Hawaii. Well, with the exception of Kamuela Borden, who was recruited by Norm Chow, which is crazy that there is <laughs> yeah, a team no, on this team that spans, what is that, four different head coaches <laughs> is just bonkers. Um, but, you know, in, in all seriousness, when you look at it, you know, they had to go through – Nick Rolovich leaving the program, which is hard for a lot of people, right? I mean, this was a guy that that brought the community together. He built this team up. He sent them to a West Division title game, and then he leaves for Washington State. And so that was a heartbreak for this group as underclassmen. Then Todd Graham comes in. You, you go at 11 and 11 over the course of two seasons. There is just an extreme roller coaster ride through those two years whether it's in the locker room and, and ultimately what what played out to be what it was a, a, of just a broken team uh, with broken morale but then you add to it the the COVID regulations of being the only team in the country to play in in an empty stadium for the course of two seasons and then when you bring up stadium, they also had to go through Aloha Stadium being condemned. Their home stadium, which is one of the gems of the Mountain West Conference, no longer being available to you. You have to then move to your practice field, which gets aluminum bleachers set up along the way. Then Timmy Chang comes in, tries to rebuild this thing. And it's been a tough season from a wins and losses standpoint goes. They enter that game two and nine. And so, Rich, this senior class, I mean, the, the word adversity and overcoming uh, obstacles, I mean, it comes up in football all the time. But 
perhaps no time in University of Hawaii history have we seen a group, a collective group of over 20 go through what these guys have gone through. Yeah, Robin, it's hard not to sound hyperbolic when you think about, you know, we talked about the transfer portal and how this team was affected by all of the adversity and stuff. But when you talk about this senior class, you mentioned Kamuela Borden and you mentioned some of those other guys going through, you know, whether it was four head coaches, three head coaches, two head coaches, the tox toxicity in the offseason. I'm not sure any group of seniors in college football history has went through more. And that's why it was so special to get that win, because I think it's one of the greatest traditions in college football, the senior walk. So that type of Hollywood Disney type of scenario played itself self out last night. I mean, we had a monsoon. We had more than precipitation and Manoa mist. We had Manoa magic. We had, you know, I was looking at the end. Will there be these fans with these lays waiting for these kids that are so deserving? And there were, and they were there and they came out in force and stuff. So to me, I think of these guys as resilient, adversity, good people. And I can't wait to see this group. Some of them were stars. Some of them were role players. Some of them were scout team players. But I think to a man, you're going to see this group kind of pay it forward because these were life lessons. Some of them severe, but these kids have learned a lot in the last four, five, six, seven years. Very well said. And you bring up that monsoon that broke out. I think it was in the third quarter of that game. I, I have never experienced a downfall like that. And, and really, and it lasted just maybe about five minutes or something. It was the heaviest rain ever. And, and, and you know, I'm at football practice all the time. Manoa missed. And, and, you know, the rain started to come down. And it's like, hey, this is Manoa. Billy V was on the microphone like, hey, hey, all the people visiting. Welcome to Manoa. And then it was just like. <laughs> and this thing came down and everyone ran for i mean because there's no canopy at this stadium yet right and so no nobody's protected it was wild and, and, and yeah it was it was phenomenal um and, and of course we want to talk a little bit about this football game and, and and the x's and o's of things but one more thing rj you know we got on this topic about the senior class deservingly so i'm bringing up the emotion of everything you know, I saw something on Saturday night, Diedrich Parson being carried off the field on the running back's shoulders, okay? And and that's a running back room that Diedrich gets the share of the load. We've been talking about Tylen Hines, and he deserves the ball more, but how do you do that? Because Diedrich doesn't deserve to get the ball less. And so, you know, in all reality, you take a step back. I mean, these are guys that are competing against each other for, for one football and Tylen Hines is in a group that's carrying Diedrich Parson off of the field after the game is over, like like Rudy Rudiger, right? I mean, it's crazy. And then, and so I'm thinking yeah. to myself, I'm like, wow, I've never seen something like that before. You know, I mean, even in the glory days, the University of Hawaii football, I mean, the last time I remember someone getting carried off the field was Justin Ayotte after hitting a game-winning field goal against Miami of Ohio. Um, you know, and even that, that's like a moment, right? And that's as time expires. And so that's, it, it's a little more natural. This was deliberate. This was Diedrich. We love you and we carrying you off the field. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I've never seen something like that. And then during the senior walk celebration, the offensive lineman, Pick up El Manning and carry him down the line for his senior walk, which 
is much harder to do than carrying. <laughs> yeah. There's some stronger dudes, but yeah, no, that's but, a big. But RJ, I mean, what does that tell you about this team, right? Because especially in the offseason, the brotherhood, right? This movement was created, and then as the season goes on, and some losses pile up, the social media it becomes a tongue in cheek and sarcastic, like, "Oh yeah, where's the brotherhood now?" And and all. It's crazy to me that in 12 games they only win three of them. Yet the brotherhood that they created looks no different than it did in spring training camp when there's zero games. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I just think it's the respect level and the love that's genuine now. Um, you know, I was kind of gonna maybe save it to tell the team, but we we have Bose football final. We brothers right now. I've been in situations where, like, you got to trust the people that you with because if you don't trust them, it can mess you up in life. And luckily for me, everybody that I've ever trusted, that I've ever believed in, that I've ever leaned on, including the two people I'm talking to right now, they've done right by me. And there's always been that level of respect to understand where even if things get shaky, if they get tricky, if I'm not in the position I once was, if I can't help you like I once was, if we're 10 and three versus three and 10, how are you going to react? We just talked about everything the senior class went through. All of that to end with a losing season and still have the love and respect to come out and give it your all every day, to come out and represent that University of Hawaii with pride. And these young guys are watching you do it you can't have no choice but to pick Dedrick Parson up when he gets a 100-yard performance, including that beautiful touchdown run he had with the patience in the back behind El Manning, who could have left, behind Michael Vanderpool, who could have left. These are guys that had love and respect for the university. And when you play a game like football, where passion, where violence, where emotion are naturally a part of the sport, and you see leaders like that, how can you not respect it? How can you not pick them up? How can you not, after that five minutes of downpour and feeling all of this emotion, I got chicken skin through my phone looking at that ha-ha of them paying tribute to that senior class because I've never seen anything like it. They didn't do a haka for us. We won the Hawaii Bowl and we won the last home game. Nobody did that for us. Not to say that they didn't respect us, but it just shows you the level of love and respect that these underclassmen have for the coaches, that they have for the seniors, that they have for the brotherhood, and the sincerity that is behind that brotherhood. Like you said, Rob, this isn't just a hashtag or nothing like that. They picked these dudes up to show that they have respect and love for what they did even in face of all the adversity they went through and ending it with a losing season, they fought to the very end. And the last time this senior class played a football game on the island of Oahu in the state of Hawaii, they left victorious. You can't ask for nothing better than that. And I know that's exactly what those underclassmen felt. Yeah, an emotional night to say the least. And I, and I got to say, from, from my personal experience, uh, I'll shed a light and let you guys in on something is that my, my daughter, my Daughter is 13 years old, my, my oldest child. And so at 13 years old, you can be on the field with a field pass. And so this is the very first time that I brought her onto the field. She was my intern on Saturday night, uh, just shadowed me around during the pregame show halftime and, and during the game uh, while I'm shooting the game for KHON2. And uh, she had a blast, right? I mean, it, it was awesome for her. And uh, she, 
you know, we have we have this joke going on and I say it's a joke to, to help me uh, accept it a little bit. But she thinks I'm the cringiest person alive. And for anyone who is older than I am, because I had to learn what cringy is, <laughs> cringy is just lame. I'm a dork. Right. I, I say dad Not jokes bad. and all this. Right. <laughs> and so she thinks I am the cringiest. And I swear to you, during the second quarter of the football game, and she turns to me and she goes, Dad, this is super uncringy. Right. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, sir. I finally Let's did it, boys. Go. I finally did it. I'm uncringy. I'm uncringy. I've shaken off the stink on that one. Right. But then you fast forward to after halftime and during one of the official reviews, they're playing music and Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It comes on. And I started singing along to it. And she turns to me and she goes, You're cringy again. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will remember that, you know, it was good while it lasted. You I had was it. Uncringy. Yeah, you had it. <laughs> I was uncringy for about 35 minutes. I'll take it, though. Um, but again, it's like what we always talk about. UH football, uh, the, it, it's a special thing for the next generation, for the Keiki. And uh, firsthand, I experienced that. And and just seeing her eyes, how big it was uh, to, to be able to experience that was awesome. Uh, Rich Miano, head coach Timmy Chang. Uh, this was a big win. We talked about signature victory for him, right? When you look at Duquesne, Nevada, UNLV, not only does he win the Nevada State Championship of going 2-0 and <laughs> against those schools, but that UNLV game, because it was a rivalry trophy game, because UNLV uh, was is is a better football team than Nevada, let's, let's just face it, and you uh, being able to get that win, what do you what have you seen out of him in, in his first year as head coach? And, and and one thing that jumps out when we talk about that downpour, he called a timeout before Matthew Schlip, Shipley was about to kick a field goal, a very important field goal in that game. And that was when the rain was coming down at the hardest. He calls a timeout. And when you bring up that mono magic, like when, when is Hawaii ever going to get that mono magic? It seems like it always goes to the other team. During the timeout, the rain completely stopped. They come back from a commercial break and it is clear skies and Shipley kicks that field goal. That kind of just tells you that, hey, things are starting to line up, doesn't it, Rich? Yeah, it does. And, you know, when you talk about Timmy Chang, right, so we've got the pleasure of interviewing both head coaches and all of our broadcasts and obviously going to practice and knowing him personally and, you know, him giving me like diplomatic immunity to go on the sidelines and talk to players during practice and stuff. You just start to immensely respect him, you know, in terms of he's so passionate, you know, and he's, you know, from a standpoint of a head coach, we all in the media have kind of come together and said like, man, I love that 30 minutes that he gets to talk to us. Because you see the blood coming out green and you see the passion and the love for this program and what he's trying to build. He's got a little bit of June Jones in him, which is nice. And I think he's got you know a whole bunch of different mentors and stuff, but it is his own style. And he told us he's all cried out, you know, and so is his wife cried out. So he wasn't sure how emotional he'd get after this game. But, man, when you invest that kind of time and effort and passion, man, I'm sure the tears were flowing again last night because this was a special season. You know, and you ask him, man, when you went through this whole last six months or seven months, nine months, however long it's been, is it going to be a little bit of a sense of relief when the season's over, especially if you can get those last two wins? He's like, man, we got to put it into super turbo charge because we got to recruit. And this thing doesn't stop at least till the end of March. So you just get to respect his passion, his love. And like RJ was talking about, 
the Brotherhood is for real, right? Whether they had enough talent, they had it took a while to find the right pieces. But again, you know, UNLV was has been in this for three years now, rebuilding this foundation. And to get that win last night at home, finally get some bounces going their way. You can look at the X's and O's. You can talk about game management. You can talk about putting together a coaching staff. Man, the A-plus or A-minus in the offseason got to be at least a solid B, man. And you got to have a lot of respect for him and his coaching staff, his wife, and just everybody that's been surrounded this program, man. This was a great win, man. I'm so proud of these guys. And if they can get next week's win, you talk about catapulting themselves for recruiting, for yes. you know, uh, yeah. season ticket holders, for uh, sponsorship, for all the things you need to do as a head coach. He's going to be more involved in the X's and O's. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, and you bring up next weekend that this weekend San Jose State on the road ending the season, and and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what that game means and and the additional storylines to just the Rainbow Warriors finishing their year. But uh, RJ, we've been talking all season long about how differently this season could have looked if they protected the football a little bit better, right? If they didn't have as many turnovers as they did, and you know when you look at that fourth quarter, there was a time in that game where the University of Hawaii was leading 24 to 16 with about eight minutes remaining. They had not turned the ball over. Penalties were not an issue. They played hard like they always do. And you kind of thought to yourself, like, this is what everyone was talking about. This is what it looks like. And then as soon as you thought that there was a strip sack fumble in the end zone that UNLV recovers, gets within two points, then when while just trying to ice this game out with a – with uh, you know, less than 10 minutes remaining, there's a fumble where uh, UNLV gets the ball back and they're able to try and march up the field to take the lead in this game. But the Rainbow Warriors hold strong and, and they 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 weathered through the storm. And of course, we talked about Diedrich Parson putting the nail in the coffin in that game with a big touchdown run late in that one. Um, Braden Shager uh has gotten a lot of the focus here as far as the growing pains and okay, when's he gonna finally lock this thing down timmy chang always talks about like hey in this that position especially within what they're trying to do it takes time it takes time and Braden shager has the talent and you guys just need to be patient and i think that you know what everything timmy was, was talking about you saw on saturday night he goes 16 to 27 still with a couple of drops 202 yards three touchdowns zero interceptions takes only one sack this was a complete game for Braden Shager. Um, was this enough for you, RJ, and you think enough for the fan base to really open their eyes and almost kind of go with what Rich Miano has been saying all season long as far as, hey, don't get it twisted. This is the guy moving forward. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, you know, this is his first three-touchdown game of the season. Three-touchdown game with no picks. So, you know, that's the progression that you always want to see in your QB one. And you go back and look at the statistics. He had a game earlier this season with four interceptions and no touchdown passes. But this is also a kid who's playing high school football, I believe in 2019 or 2020. So he hasn't even got a chance to get into his man body yet. He hasn't got a chance to get comfortable or familiar with the offense. And, you know, even in saying that, when you look at some of the touchdown passes he threw Saturday night, they're open. The concepts are there. There's an understanding. And I mean, one, he threw to Tamatoa Mokiao Atamalala. He's got that pressure barreling down right on his face. 
but he knows exactly where the receiver is. He knows where the ball's supposed to go. There's enough protection and enough time. I don't think he makes that throw earlier in the season. So seeing that progression is, is always a good thing. And it kind of reminds you of the offense last season where, you know, a majority of the season, everybody's like, where's the offense? You know, what part of it? And this is more of a whole offense than just the QB1. But yet and still, the last two games last season, that offense exploded. I feel like there's a similar, you know, trend coming here. And I think having Braden Shager with more years going forward and also with his stats progressing, with him looking like he's more comfortable in the pocket and has more of an understanding of the offense, he gets an offseason with Ian Shoemaker. I think, you know, for fans, analysts, and critics alike, there should be uh, some sort of excitement for what this kid can do going forward. Hey, Rob, since you referenced me, um, you know, and I don't know if this is vindication or affirmation, but, you know, I've been called an, a quarterback apologist, right? So, like, let's go through Tua, pretty good player, could be an MVP. Shevin might be the MVP of this conference in terms of offensively. And then Shager, right? We just talked about his stats, made some beautiful throws on some deep balls that weren't caught. And the thing about it is, is, like, he's taking the top off of these defense, man. As soon as they gave him the ability to spread it out and throw it in the second half, there's a tale of two halves, right? And to me, those two quarterback runs, the quarterback draw and also the toss RPO counter with the quarterback, you know what? He's not a great athlete, but he can pick up some positive yards. And when you added that dimension into this offense, I, I, I'm liking it, man. And if this kid just works hard this offseason, like I heard he does, and he works on core strength, foot speed, Hawaii football fans are going to start to jump on the Shaker train. Choo, choo. <laughs> I love it, man. The hype train carries over to the University of Hawaii football. Uh, let's talk about this defense real quickly. Uh, you know, it's been incredible what we've seen out of Logan Taylor since taking over as a starting linebacker because of injury. Another double-digit tackle game. He has 11 total tackles with a tackle for loss and his first career interception. Uh, Mekki Pei with 10 tackles himself. Panay Pavihi, a senior going out here at home. One tackle for loss, one sack. Uh, Verdell Edwards was very active along with Peter Manoma as the two combined for 12 tackles in the defensive backfield with two pass breakups. Jonah Kahahavai Welch had probably his best football game of the season. Four total tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Andrew Choi has a half a sack as well. And Rich, you brought it up as far as this defense played aggressive. And not only did they play aggressive, but, you know, we we kind of been joking around all season long and talking to Chris Brown about this, talking to Logan Taylor about this, about how Logan Taylor is like somehow morphing into Chris Brown, right? Like on the football field, Rich, you coach Chris. I watched Chris firsthand. I remember what it looked like, and it looks a lot like Logan Taylor. And, and, and just the way he carries himself, the way he talks to his teammates, the way when he talks, everyone listens. And so we're watching this metamorphosis of, of Logan Taylor becoming his mentor in Chris Brown. But one thing that we also saw on Saturday night is that this defense started to take on the personality of Logan Taylor, therefore of Chris Brown, that goes a long way for the Rainbow Warriors, doesn't it, Rich? Yeah, and I talked about, you know, I talked to Chris Brown right before the game, man, when they were doing drills. You know, I was almost late to the broadcast booth because he was like firing me up, 
with like sending videos of lions and tigers hunting their prey to the, you know, the defense and stuff like that. And, you know, when you talk to him, man, you just want to play, bro. Like the chest bump becomes a little bit more aggressive. You know, the high fives become harder. But anyway, Rob, you mentioned something that I really wanted to touch on because the reason why I love that broadcast last night, because all three levels of the defense played well. It started up front, and I saw the push all game long from both Blessman and JT. And then if you throw in Ezra Evi Marlowe, or if you go with Anthony Saga Portello, those guys give you a little change up, right? But the ends, you mentioned Jonah Kavai Welch, I thought played his best game. But Andrew Choi just does everything right and doesn't always show up in the statistics. But man, is he setting the edge? Is he applying pressure? He's at the level of the football. And then we mentioned Logan Taylor and Panay. And those guys, man, Chris Brown's done a great job with him, as well as Etty's done with the defensive line and, I, and the linebacks play well. Look at the two corners. Look at Nelson and look at my man Edwards. Those guys were locked down, man. They were all over the field tackling people. They were aggressive. The nickelback Houseman played another solid game and a good game. And then the safety valve, the keys to my game, right? Those two guys prevented so many long runs, so many long passes. Piedmont Numa in coverage is playing like a nickelback corner, you know, breaking up passes. You got Mekki Pay flying up to all 170 pounds of him, whatever else. That, to me, was the best defensive performance, and it's a metamorphosis of maybe some of the worst defensive performances we've seen in the early in the season. So, Rob, I wanted to use that word. You stole it. You, you know, I got to pull a little Todd Christensen on you once in a while. But that was a metamorphosis of not only Chris Brown to Logan Taylor, but a bad defense to a good defense. Jacob, your Etienne, Abraham, Elamimian, Chris Brown, all you defensive guys, hats off to you guys, man. That was a different defense last night. That really was. And, RJ, you know, obviously – this is an episode of Bo's football final that's coming off of a victory. And um, and I got to say, uh, our guy, Sam Spangler, KHON2 weekend news anchor, former KHON2 sports guy, and, and my, my good, good friend, my best friend in the world, um, he gave me a Chihu button earlier this year, right, <laughs> for Bo's football final, that every time UH gets a win, we can play the Chihu button, and, and I've just forgotten to do it. Uh, through the first two, and and I forgot to do it here today. But so moving forward, uh, we can do this for every University of Hawaii victory. And so here it is. Did you guys hear that? A little bit. One more time. No, not so nah, good, You know, brother. it's funny because we played that for Sam's wife on the phone, and she said she couldn't hear it. It's like a dog whistle or something. Like, yeah. it's loud. Yeah, it's a... It's a spiritual one. Okay, that's weird, man, because this <laughs> thing is mono. loud in, in this office, and yet no one can hear it. Outside. It's, okay, so, okay, so, well, it's a good thing we didn't do it earlier this season, but uh, in spirit, the Chihu button was played. Um, but, RJ, obviously, th this is a win, so so there's a certain uh, positivity that's going with this episode of Bo's Football Final, but for a good reason, because of everything we talked about, the emotion of everything, the way that they played the game. This was their best football game here this season. Uh, but with what you saw on Saturday, was the improvements of Braden Shager, of the defense, of the defensive line, and, and all those things, was that good enough to make you feel like that this team can go up against San Jose State and end the season with a victory on the road. Because remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that Fresno State was a bad matchup for Hawaii because of skill, position, speed. 
right? That was something that UNLV, Nevada, Utah State, Wyoming, Colorado State, San Diego State, they didn't have, right? And that's what kind of kept Hawaii in those games is that UH is playing their hearts out and just the, the effort was keeping them in the games. And for most of them, they weren't able to get the win, but kept it within one possession. San Jose State is a lot like Fresno State where it's speed. This, te- this is a team built with speed. So with what you saw on Saturday, is that enough to level the playing field a little bit from what Fresno State was able to do against the Bose? Uh I would think so. I think there's been, you know, quite uh quite an improvement in just the being comfortable in the defense to go attack. I mean, the offense is a little different where you have to have a coordinated attack. The defense, you do send blitzes and all that, but there has to be a lot of instinct. I feel like that instinct is kicking up, especially, you know, in guys like Logan Taylor and Peter Manuma that have stepped up. Now, Shevin also is a very quick and shifty quarterback when he wants to be. You know this from experience, but a lot of these guys play with Shevin, so I think that could come in and help a little bit. And, you know, this is a defense that, on Saturday night, they sent UNLV off the field 10 times on third down. UNLV was 4 for 14 on third down, and they stopped their only fourth down conversion. So I think the confidence is there. Uh, I think you got two very good shutdown corners. You got a safety that's young but budding. You got a linebacker core, you know, even in Panay Pavihi in his final performance. They're going to be able to step up. So I think, you know, if that offense especially performs like it did because – this is a two-sided coin here, you know. If we can get another three or four touchdown pass performance with no interceptions from Braden Shager and combine about 150 yards rushing like they did against UNLV, I see no reason as to why uh, UH can't go up there and get a victory. And, you know, just with the way this defense has been playing, with the energy that's coming out of Chris Brown and coaching staff, I think there's no reason they can't win. But that's going to be up to them, and it is going to be a difficult task. Well, kickoff on Saturday is at 10.30 in the morning. It will be televised on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view with the pregame show starting at 10 a.m. Rich Miano will have the call with Kanoa Leahy. And, of course, we have to bring it up as far as the storyline that goes with this football game. And it's probably done on purpose from the Mountain West Conference, right, when they built the schedule of, like, I think everyone understood that, hey, this is a very intriguing game. You have Shevin Cordero, a local boy, who on the heels of winning the Cover 2 Marcus Mariota Award as State Player of the Year decides to sign with the University of Hawaii. In his interview accepting the Mariota Award, he says, hey, I want to bring this program back to what it was like when Colt Brennan was here. That you know, I want to be the guy who does that. And he plays for three seasons, four seasons here at the University of Hawaii. Um, he, he comes in as a freshman and, and, and plays right away in 2018, 2019 helps along with Cole McDonald, uh, get to a West division title in 2020 and 2021 under Todd Graham. He's the primary quarterback. Um, but as we talked about, and as everybody knows, listening to this podcast, that there are ups, there were downs, uh, perhaps the, the, the biggest down was a loss to UNLV in Las Vegas, where he, he was emotional. He cried on the podium about how much this hurts his heart to lose this game and it made them bowl ineligible at the time, as far as automatic qualifier for a bowl game in the off season, he decides along with seven other potential starters to, to leave the university of Hawaii. He goes to San Jose state, a conference rival. He's having a phenomenal season for the Spartans, but then now 
has to face off against his guys. And, and I'll be very clear. There is a ton, ton of not only mutual respect, love between the guys that are currently on the UH football team and Chevin Cordero. All right. So there, there is no ill will. It isn't ugly. It isn't toxic. It isn't, uh, you know, I want to go out and hurt this guy or anything like that. It is truly, I mean, these guys are excited to compete against Shevin. Really, when you hear them talk, and I'm sure we're going to hear them talk here moving forward down this week. But this is one of the most interesting storylines I can ever remember following the University of Hawaii football program, Rich. This is like made-for-TV Shevin Cordero up against the Rainbow Warriors to end the 2022 season, isn't it? Yeah, and even though it's Thanksgiving and I got to jump on a plane and leave my family, bro, I was I circled this game at the beginning of the season, before the season started, right? And let's talk about the elephant in the room. The exodus of the last head coach was exacerbated by Chevron Cordero, the local boy quarterback star, transferring. And you know what? He's now a candidate for conference offensive MVP coming off a four-touchdown performance. So, you know, this Hawaii defense, they respect their brother Chevron. There's no question. They know about his talents. But that being said, they're still going to try to pound him. They don't want to hurt him, but they want to take him out of this football game. And every time I see that Central Pacific Bank, anything to do, the NLI from Chevron, I'm like, I'm hoping that executive branch takes that NLI money and gives it to Tylen Hines because Chevron's no longer with us, right? And I love what Timmy Chang said. Hey, we love all these local boys who get college scholarships, but it's different. Either you stay home or you don't, right? And Chevin didn't really have a chance to stay home. So like you mentioned, but then we're not holding this against Chevin, right? But I'll tell you what, Jacob Euro, like every other DC I've ever talked to in the last two years that faces this young quarterback who can extend plays, get first downs, one of the quickest twitch quarterbacks in the Mountain West Conference, they, he's not going to sleep well. Jacob is not going to sleep well. The defense is going to be so excited. I'm excited. RJ Hollis, when you think about this game, and like I said, I mean, this is straight out of a movie, the storyline that comes with this. And no matter what happens, a, a win or a loss, the University of Hawaii football season is over. There's no bowl game. There's no winning season for them. This is it. That almost adds to it as far as like, wow, what a game to end on. What a way potentially to end the season. If you end the season beating a team that you should not beat and the quarterback of that team is your former captain, bro, this is this is crazy, RJ. Oh, yeah. Oh man. I and this would be the type of game, you know, a player like myself, I would already be calling everybody trying to get people hyped. I'm foaming out the mouth already, you know, but yeah, I I think for UH, that's what it's got to be. And, you know, yes, love and Shevin was a former University of Hawaii football player. But, you know, come Saturday, he opposition. So regardless of what happens, we got to be victorious. And if it's between picking, you know, the love of our brother or being victorious for the brotherhood and getting us out of here with a victory, we're going to pick the latter. So at the end of the day, you know, it's great that Shevin went to do great things, and I know everybody wants to see success for him. And you do want to see success for him, and I even said it earlier in the season. I want to see success for Shevin Cordero, except when he plays the University of Hawaii. If he has a six-yard passing game this Saturday, I would be okay with that. But at the end of the day, we know that's not what's going to happen. He's going to come out, and he's going to try and 
do what he does, which is have great performances. And Jacob Euro, Logan Taylor, and Chris Brown, Abel Amemian and company, they got to know, hey, we got to make sure we stop this kid. We got to do everything we can to shut him down. And if I'm Braden Shaker, I got to know, hey, I got another good offensive quarterback, another good offensive play caller on the opposite side of that sideline. So I got to show what I can do. You know, my team's going to lead on me to be able to keep up with this guy. We got to do it. So at the end of the day, you know, it's always love and respect for Shevin. But when the game starts, you are opposition and you are to be treated as such. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this ball game again. It is Saturday at 1030 a.m. Hawaii time is the kickoff against San Jose State. The pregame show on the Spectrum Sports pay-per-view will start at 10 a.m. Be sure to follow KHON2 Sports on air and online all week long for coverage of this game pre-game coverage and of course post-game coverage after it's over this was a lot of fun today guys uh th this Bose football final uh, i think will bring a smile to a lot of people uh through a very long season uh spiritual chihu which nobody can hear except me for some reason i just don't understand that but we'll see if we get spiritual chihu again after this san jose state game on saturday we'll be back on monday next week to wrap a bow, to put a bow on this season for the Rainbow Warriors and head coach Timmy Chang. Again, Rich Miano, RJ Hollis, always a pleasure. Everybody listening, much mahalo. We'll get to the Bows Football Final Mailbox next week, so make sure you send in your questions at the completion of the Rainbow Warrior and San Jose State game. Have a great week, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Bows Football Final saying aloha. Aloha.